The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. Hi, I'm Daniel Roth, LinkedIn's Editor-in-Chief. Welcome back to This Is Working. On every episode of This Is Working, we talk live on LinkedIn with leaders and prominent voices, people who are helping us navigate these very strange times. In this episode, we hear from someone committed to bringing joy during this time of isolation. His name is D-Nice, or more formally, Derek Jones. D-Nice was a member of the legendary rap group Boogie Down Productions. He pivoted to web design, photography, producing, and more, many ups, many downs, and then a lot more ups again. More recently, he has DJed for a number of very high-profile clients. He was President Obama's in-house DJ, and he played the 2012 inauguration. If you recognize the name DJ D-Nice, though, I'm willing to bet it's because you're one of the hundreds of thousands of people who have been tuning in to his epic at-home Instagram live dance parties. He calls them Club Quarantine. I tuned in over the weekend, and it was incredible. But remember, playing mind-blowing DJ sets is only one of his very many talents. Derek has and models this incredible, I'll-figure-it-out attitude. He talks about self-directed learning, improving skills over time, about how to take advice and who to take advice from. At one point he said to me, I can make anything into a business. So wherever you are right now, there is something to learn from Derek's approach to music and to life. This guy embodies the idea of taking lemons and turning them into lemonade. We connected with Derek from his living room, the heart of club quarantine itself. Here's our conversation. So Derek, Thank you for joining us here today on This Is Working. <laughs> all right, there he it's is. It's great to be here. Yeah, well, it's great to see. You. So this is where you. This is where it all happens, right? I mean, this is the this this is where you stand. Like sometimes nine hours at a time. Yes, this is this is club quarantine. <laughs> now, is all the gear around you? Is this stuff we were talking about this a little bit beforehand? But is this are, are these items that you purchased for club quarantine, or is these, these things you you happen to have? No, just one item I purchased for for um, club quarantine is the actual uh, mixer um, that I use to uh, blend records. But everything else, I mean, I have my speakers on, boxes of water that Will Will Smith sent. My speakers here on my chairs. Um, my laptop is usually on top of the books here instead of using like a laptop stand. And um, yeah, you know, this is normally for uh, the mantle for my fo- my photos, and now it serves as a DJ booth. So would you walk us through the how you decided to start doing this? What what gave you the impetus to say, I'm going to start spinning from home? So the, the initial idea started, um, I was uh, smoking cigars, you know, at um, here in Los Angeles, the night that um, the quarantine was going into effect. And, you know, my buddies and I were just talking about, you know, what we we're going to do. One guy's an uh, NBA broadcaster. You know, we're all in different industries and we're trying to figure out what, what, how we're going to spend the two weeks or initially what we thought was going to be two weeks. And my idea was to just utilize um, the Instagram live feature, but it wasn't about DJing. It was more so about being in a position to interview uh, other old school artists um, that people haven't heard from in a while. Because, you know, my experience was people didn't play music on Instagram and, you know, people just didn't listen to music that way. And, you know, sitting here... I was alone in my apartment, you know, self-isolating. And, and uh, you know, I, I sat back and the two things that were most important to me, which happened to be my family and my my work, 
were temporarily removed. You know, my kids, uh, my, my oldest daughter is a law student at Penn State. My youngest daughter lives at home with mom in Michigan. And then I couldn't DJ anywhere. You know, I'm, I'm so used to being on the road. And, I, you know, I looked around and I was a, a bit frustrated because, you know, I did like 400,000 miles of traveling last year uh, for gigs and was uh, very rarely here at home. So when I was at home, like, you know, sitting around, I noticed that I actually didn't make my home home. It was just a place for me to change clothes, you know, and uh, I was a bit frustrated. I decided to sit pretty much right here in this area and um, opened up my laptop and started to play music into my laptop to roughly around 200 of my friends. Um, and I had never done a live feature before. So that was my first time going live on IG. And uh, it was a pretty amazing experience. All I did was play songs and share stories. So I would share old school stories. Uh, you know, I would talk about, you know, my old BDP days and then I would play a song from that day. And then I would, I brought in another singer, um, I'll be sure to split the screen and, you know, talk to, talk to him for a minute. And then I would play some of his songs. And, you know, after doing that for like two days, I, it just felt good. Like there was something magical about it. You know, the second day, you know, I mean, and I hate to just throw in names, but like my whole point was to keep the 200 that I, I thought it was only going to be 200 people inspired. So my way of keeping them inspired was to invite my friends in. So I, I hit up John Legend. John Legend joined in and we just did a chat. It was like me and John and his daughter Lula. And, you know, we talked for about a minute or two. And then later on, Dave Chappelle split the screen with me. Um, and Dave doesn't even have, he, he was using his wife's IG. He doesn't even use Instagram. And, um, it just felt, it just felt like we were still connected somehow. And, um, by day three, it was roughly around 2000 people in there. So I, I was excited with 2000 and I called up a buddy of mine by the name of DJ Clark Kent. Uh, he was a uh, biggie's, uh, DJ and one of his producers and Jay-Z's producer. And I called him up and I, I said to him, I was like, man, there's something about this that just feels really good and his advice to me was you should actually dj now you should actually play a set and i ended up djing and it felt like i honestly felt like i was there with everyone and you know we watched the numbers climb you know that that following day it was ten thousand people then by day four it was twenty thousand people and then j-lo popped in and drake popped in and, and someone said d-nice has everyone in there the only people missing are the Obamas. <laughs> so that Saturday, which was day five, you know, I, I you know, I called up a friend and was like, hey, you know, we were talking and I didn't know how to like even to ask the question, like, do you think? But I somehow managed to get that question in there. And I didn't think it was possible. And and you know, later on when I signed, when I uh, logged into Instagram and it it immediately started at like 20,000 people within 10 minutes, which was the max that we were at the day before. And all I wanted to do was to find ways to keep people that were, you know, in my IG live, just inspired, you know, and, um, and that, that Saturday was magical. You know, it just, it was just magical, man. Like a hundred thousand people, no one had ever, no one was ever using live like that, right. IG live like that. And for it to be a hundred thousand people consistently in there, which actually represents more like millions because no one stood there with their phone in their hands for hours. Yeah, people at were that in time, and out. Yeah, people were in and out. So, you know, once we, you know, looked at the numbers, there were, you know, there were millions of people that were, that participated in that, in that IG live that day, which, 
was just incredible. So many of us are trying to figure out how to make our lives work virtually. As a DJ, someone who is used to getting that feeling, I would assume this incredible feeling from the crowd where you know if it's working or not, how do you recreate that? Or, or how have you learned how to pivot to doing this over when it's just you in your living room looking at a you know stream of, of comments? So I, I definitely have to pivot. You know, there's nothing like live music. You know, when you're when you are in front of people, you can feel the energy. You can tell by body language that someone is either into it or this is not the song for them. And you may switch it and go into a different direction. What I found to be interesting with this um, situation and was that I couldn't see anyone. I couldn't feel the energy uh, the way I normally would. Right. But then it, it hit me immediately that, you know what, this is actually, the one thing that I always complained about, you know, for just being a DJ is that people would always play the same songs over and over, whatever the top 10 pop records are, whatever, you know, whatever your old school songs are, Velvet DeVoe, Poison, or Madonna, Holiday, like they're all these, they're just typical records that people play because they wanted that reaction um, immediately. I looked at it as a, an opportunity to say, hey, if these people are coming to hear me, then this is a chance to educate them on music and also to separate myself from other DJs. Technically, I don't feel like I'm a DJ. You know, I curate music. I'm a music producer. You know, I'm a photographer. I'm an artist. I'm, you know, I'm a programmer. Like, you know, I do all of these things. So DJing was like definitely not the title for me. I just enjoyed playing music. And um, that was my chance to... Uh, just to do something different. And that's why my sets are typically feel-good sets. Not to say that what other people are doing aren't feel-good sets. Just for me, like, it was important for me to give someone or to give the people that came to uh, hear me play 100% of what I actually love playing. Well, I want to talk a little bit about how, how you got here and about your career and also where you see this going. But first, I want to just check to see what people are saying here. We have a lot of people coming on right now. We have people from all over the world. I'm just looking at the at some of the stream, uh, Aja from Austin, Jeremy from Wisconsin, Rebecca from Detroit in the comments. You're probably very used to this, but some of these comments coming in. We love D-Nice bringing us all together through music. This is awesome. D-Nice is a gift to the world. That's what Chelsea said. Wow. Uh, you have kept me going during the quarantine. Thank you. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're hearing a lot of this also. Um, would you talk a little bit about uh, the, uh, you know, if, if you look at your, your history, and you, you mentioned some of the different things that you've done over time. You're someone who seems to be very comfortable trying new things or developing new skills. Talk a little bit about how you think through when you're making those career changes, when you were becoming a photographer and taking classes, if you became a web designer. How do you realize that this is something you want to do? And then how are you picking up those skills? Um, man, so starting out in the music industry at, at uh, 15 years old was the uh, that was the absolute most important part of like my life because when I, you know during the times in the studio I just I didn't want to just be an artist I wanted to learn how to produce records I wanted to learn how to engineer I was always just curious about it you know and that actually dates back to like when I was probably around seven eight years old you know uh, one Christmas uh, I received a bike and by maybe like the third or fourth day after Christmas I had uh, <laughs> taken the entire bike apart because I was trying to figure out how it worked. And the same thing happened with music. Like after I was considered old school because I started so young. So by the time I was 21 years old, I was considered old school. And I spent a lot of time at home um, back when AOL was still like, AOL was like, you know, just out and 
you know, I was using a Mac six, Performer 6400 computer. And instead of just like learning uh, or just using a computer, you know, for documents, I ended up taking the computer apart and downloaded Red's edit because I wanted to know how it worked. So, and I was just fascinated with, um, with just anything creative. And I, I taught myself how to build bulletin boards, which were pretty popular back then. You're talking like early 90s. Um, you know, by the time like 1997, 98, you know, when the web was like really exploding, you know, I saw an opportunity there to develop. Like one of my buddies was already a web developer. Um, I already loved programming anyway. And, um, you know, and I, I lucked up, man. Like I really did. You know, I lucked up. I, I had good credit. And uh, at least the computer from Dell, I couldn't afford anything at that point. You know, like it was a rough time after after music stopped. Um, but I leased a computer from Dell and just I would download like just source uh, files and just and I taught myself how to like read HTML4 and, and um, PHP. I just really I was just into it and then taught myself how to uh, program uh, using Flash. And I started building these these uh, um, considered e-cards back in the day. No one's u- using them now, but like right. a lot of Flash evites. I started I started a company called United Camps just to produce that uh, these e cards for record companies. My first client was Motown, and you know they were generous enough to give me like some of their newer artists, and then I started picking up like other labels, you know J Records, RCA, Sony. Um, I built sites for Alicia Keys, the Diary of Alicia Keys. I, you know I, I I built sites for, I mean, dude, like everyone, man, and um. And I, it was just me programming. I had one designer and then uh, one other person that worked with me, you know, just using a lot of freelancers that actually worked from home. So working from home is something that I've always done anyway. You know, it's just something I was always used to doing. Falling, I fell into photography because I, I've always loved photography anyway. You know, like I, I'm a huge Gordon Parks uh, fan. I love our um, Henry Cartier-Bresson, like um, James Van Der Zee. Like I just love you know, just images in, in, in particular, black and white images. And I, I was building a website for a client, a men's underwear uh, company, and I didn't like the uh, assets that they had delivered. So I just told the guy like, hey, you know what? I'll shoot it for you. And, you know, I went out and shot this project and, you know, it was my first pro shoot. And I decided to go to school for photography while I was building websites. So I went to a place in New York City called the International Center of Photography, and studied there for like a year and um and just you know just always kept the camera with me you know my cameras are sitting here in the kitchen now the linkedin podcast network is sponsored by TIAA in the last 100 years we've seen financial markets swing new currencies come and go decades of savings lost in days all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee quite simply isn't enough so more than a retirement plan TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and so many tools to keep track of. Doing business can be hard, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. Higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. 
Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. As you talk about this, it's not like you had any um, anyone who was helping you out during this. No. You, you didn't. You weren't in the industry ahead of time. You didn't have parents who were saying, this is what you should do. You never no. went to college. These were things that you were finding on your own and figuring out your way through it. You're very, you, you must be very self-motivated to decide that this is something that even though you don't have the skills, you're going to pick up the skills. Someone says to you, we want you to shoot a men's underwear line. You're like, yep, of course, I can do that. No problem. I'll figure this out. Is that is that what you're like? You just assume that you just know that you can do any you can do any of these these things. I just I've always felt that I could do anything. I mean, what's life if if you you know limit yourself to just one thing? You know, like. But I also respect the craft. So when I decided to shoot someone's project, yes, the first time that I shot it, it was you know I you know I didn't really know what I was doing, but I respect what people do in that field. So I ended up going to school for it. Same thing with like web development. Like I didn't. You know, um, even though I was self-taught, I would go and sit with other programmers and ask questions and, you know, and um, and I've always respected the crap. And even in terms of like DJing, you know, I started DJing um, one night after being at a party where Q-Tip and Mark Ronson were spinning, you know, and prior to that, I, I was trying to throw parties with other people to do like after work mixers. And but it wasn't until I heard the two of them DJ together where I was like, you know what? I love music. Like I am, I spent so many years running away from the artist side of me and wanting to be looked at as this professional. Um, but music is what I love and what I love doing. And, and music has always been a part of my life. So I, after hearing them play music, I decided to just, you know, jump into it. And, you know, I was, I was, I was a terrible DJ at first, you know, I didn't understand like how to play the records because there's a science to it to keep people moving, you know, like in terms of like energy, and after, you know, a couple of gigs, I decided to go and study DJs. So I would go out, you know, I was still running my web company during the day and building websites and doing online marketing. But by not, at night, I would go out and hear like these other DJs and in particular, like house music DJs, like Little Lily Vega, um, you know, Felix the House Cat, you know, and then I would hear some hip hop DJs. But my style of DJing has always been based on house music and the way they blend records and, and, you know in, in hip-hop the term uh slam slamming a record means you just you know scratch a record no matter what the tempo is and you can totally change the way someone is dancing in hip-hop it's a cool thing to do in house music you would never do it so like my style has always been how do i make it seem like one long song for the night just to keep people going and i learned that and I, like i said i studied djs in um and, you know, my life has changed ever since then, man. Yeah. Well, uh, it's really interesting when you watch your sets, it really feels like it's one long song. How do you think about what comes next for you? Is what you're doing now still a something that you'll do during the quarantine? And then we, all, we start going out and your old life comes back. Is this now part of who you are? How do you think about it? When this happened and I started DJing from home, I've always actually wanted to do a streaming set. I didn't think people would ever be into it or, you know, I just didn't think that people would find it or feel the energy. Um, like now that I've learned to do it and I've kind of mastered playing for people virtually, it's something that I want to continue doing. I, I wouldn't do it as much as I do now. Like I play now pretty much every day, sometimes twice a day, you know, sometimes three times a day because of, for several reasons, the love of music, the music is, is, is healing people like playing, playing these songs and, and, you know, it's allowing people to escape from whatever 
whatever the, the feeling that they have in it to be a part of this community, this, this virtual club quarantine community. Um, once we are um, allowed to um, roam the world freely again, you know, I, I figured I would do this probably like once a month, you know, make it special. But I really do look forward to getting back and like getting back into the world and, um, and, and uh, being in front of people again. Sure. Is it a business? Can you make this into a business? I mean, I can make anything into a business. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of that, we have some questions coming in for advice on what kind of message do you have for people who say, look, this is something I want to get into. I want to crack the music, either to crack the music business or become a DJ. Is the right path the one you took, which is you start small, you do it for 200 people and and you look, or is there another way to to get into this into this arena? No, I, I think the right path is to start small. And, you know, I didn't start, I mean, Club Quarantine started with 200 people. But technically, when I returned as a DJ, you know, not an artist, not my DDP days, no one really knew me as a DJ. So I started, I was DJing in clubs in New York City for roughly 10 people every week. It was 10 people in there. No one knew. And it, you know, it gradually grew. And, uh, you know, and so I would I would always tell people, one, you know, just respect the, the industry that you're in and, and the craft and the people that have done it before you. And don't be afraid to ask questions. And, you know, I, I pretty much try to u- utilize the people and the things around me to, you know, to start any business. So, yeah, you know, and, and, and this is a great time to start something. You know, people have lost jobs, um, but I know people that are thriving because they also took this time to, to, um, to do some of the things that they were always interested in doing. And, and, and it's been working, you know, quite a few of my friends, you know, in the fashion world and in music, some of my music producer friends, you know, they were depressed, but they took the time to say, hey, you know what, I'm gonna get back into songwriting. You use this time wisely, you know, and, and, and it's a sometimes it's easier said than done, but you just be surprised how much, you know, how much enjoyment you'll get from using the time wisely and, and, um, and just building your own thing. You've talked in the past about your own struggles with depression, about how to deal when you feel like there is no hope and you're not sure what the next path is. What has enabled you to keep pushing forward? What kind of advice do you give to other people who might say, I don't know what comes next for me, if anything comes next. Well, I, I just want to respectfully say that I don't, I, I've never really felt like I was fighting depression, you know, just out of respect of the people that have actually been depressed and have gone through it. Me, I've just reached like certain like crossroads and, and there is this fear of one of being like, you know, just like, I don't do things because I, I try to be successful at it. I just do the things that make me happy. Not to say that that's a life for everyone, you know, it's just been my life. My life has been one of curiosity. Um, of I, I enjoy learning. You know, I enjoy asking questions. I enjoy picking up a new skill set, you know, and, um, and I enjoy sharing that with people, you know. So during this time where it, it seemed like um, one of the things that I was dealing with was wasn't necessarily depression. It was more of like. I don't even want to call it midlife crisis anymore. You know, I'm turning, I'll be turning 50 years old. And I didn't want to be the 50-year-old guy in the club. Like, that just wasn't for me. I was like, no, I don't want to be that old. I don't want to play trap music in the club, even though I love the music. I just right. didn't want to be that guy. I saw myself differently. I saw myself as, like, this touring artist, but I couldn't figure out how to get there. And I figured out how to get there by using the things that were around me and promoting myself that way and saying that I'm going to be different and just staying focused on it. Even when, you know, I put the time in, I put the work in, you know, this thing, I went from roughly 198,000 Instagram followers 
to the very next day, I had uh, 800,000 followers. Eight, six or seven hours later, I crossed a million. I stayed DJing every day because I was inspired by it. And I wanted to give myself to people. I knew that what I was doing was, was uplifting spirits. And by the end of the following week, I was at 2 million followers doing what I love. You know, like I, I didn't take anything from anyone. Like I literally gave myself, you know, and, and, and because that's what I felt motivated to do. You know, and I, I try to tell people all the time, man, it may not work for everyone, but to me, it's like, do what you love and do what you're passionate about. And when, you know, when that passion and, and the purpose meets and it's the outcome is, you know, it's such a beautiful feeling, you know, to be able to do something that's inspiring the world just through music and through my own passion. You know, I'm, I'm, I feel very fortunate to be in this position, especially after being in the music industry for so long. And You've mentioned this a number of times. There's so many people that, you have listened to over the years or asked for advice or they've said something to you that seems to have changed what you've decided to do or make you realize you're on the right path. So you talk about Scott LaRock in your early days, uh, Chris Lighty, you mentioned Clark Kent telling you, hey, just start DJing. You seem to be very attuned to taking the right advice from people. I'd love to know how you decide what kind of advice to listen to, what you throw out. When do you decide to, to ask for that kind of advice? You know, you're turning 50. You're the one, a lot of times you get to this point in your life, you're the one giving the advice. How do you decide <laughs> that you're going to listen to someone? The thing about it is I've always, you know, second guess myself, you know. Um, you know, even in terms like, you know, with Chris Lighty, for example. Chris Lighty uh, was a manager for uh, 50 Cent, Mariah Carey, and Diddy. But he was also like, you know, the best man in my wedding. We've been friends since we were like, you know, 15 years old. Um and Chris was one of the first people to give me advice that, you know, when I wanted to return to the scene as a music producer or a recording artist after being away for so long, Chris's advice to me was, hey, man, like, I know who you are. Like, I know who you are to like the core of you, that you can do anything that you want to do. You don't have to do that. You know, maybe that's that's not for you anymore. Maybe you can do, you know, something else that you're passionate about. And he challenged me. And because of that, I've always challenged myself. The thing about the advice that I get from other people, it's usually what I'm already feeling inside, but I'm, I'm second guessing myself. And, you know, I wanted to DJ online, but it was Clark Kent that kind of motivated me without realizing when he said, hey, maybe you should get on and DJ. It's actually what I felt. But I just didn't, you know, I didn't move forward with it. You know, I was just kind of procrastinating a bit and just kind of like having a little bit of self-doubt because I, I wasn't sure if it was going to work. And it's easy to take advice from someone like that, especially being 50. I mean, you know, like you said, man, I'm usually, I, even though I take advice well, I do give out a lot of advice to people because I, I, but my advice is always about passion, passion and purpose, you know, not just about spending a life doing something. And it dates back to a conversation that I had with my uncle when I was starting, I started a record company, didn't have much money. I was a bit frustrated. And my uncle, you know, he was in his 70s and, you know, in his 90s now. Um, he said to me, he, sh he shared a story about having an opportunity to, to uh, play in the Negro League um, back in the day. He was said he was a fantastic baseball player, but he decided to not play so he could, um, uh, you know, just, you know, uh, enlist into the, in the military to provide for his family. Not that he had regrets for the family. It was just about career choice that he had regrets that, you know, 
and he said to me, you never want to live your life having regrets, wondering what life could have been like had you done that. So I can honestly say, like, I, I have a life of no regrets. I've, I've done everything that I've always wanted to do, you know, and, and, and I'm enjoying it. Yeah, well, you are certainly uh, giving people a lot of hope and a lot of uh, thinking that they can accomplish whatever it is they dream of doing. Also, I want to read some of the comments. Uh, Duran says, wow, I'm 17 years out from 50 and he's living like my age. Uh, Devin says, D-Nice's story is proof that your career is a journey, not a destination. And then we have uh, uh, Christine who said, Club Quarantine has saved thousands of people through music on Instagram Live. Thanks, D-Nice. Super nice comments. Um <laughs> I want to ask about this this question, going back to what you're doing today. Are you concerned at all about any kind of legal issues with doing this live? Has anyone been pushing you? How do you think through what issues you might run into with doing these sets live, or has it not been a problem for you? Um, it hasn't been a problem for me. You know, I'm sure, you know, if they wanted me off, they would they would have uh, <laughs> definitely like, made that happen. But Look, I think, you know, it's a weird time that everyone has had, had to make adjustments during right. this time of quarantine, you know, like, you know, and, and you know, and having some of the, um, the platforms allow people to play music, you know, I mean, look, it is still a business and I can't speak on the business side of it because I clearly I don't own the platform and I don't own the publishing companies or the record companies. I do feel uh, fortunate that they are allowing, you know, DJs to play some music because it's such an uplifting thing for the people that are stuck home, you know? So I think there are a lot of uh, the, the platforms have made exceptions to allow music to be played. You know, I don't think it's going to go on forever, you know, like just right now while people are home and it's been great for the music industry, you know, like record sales or at least record streams are up. Um, you know, at least that's what I'm being told. I don't really monitor it like that, you know, but, um, you know, I don't, I, I haven't had any issues with it. Great. Thank goodness. Yeah, that's good. All right, we'll keep our fingers crossed. One last question for you is just a question of discipline. To do what you're doing from home, to keep it up every night, to think about what's next takes a lot of discipline. Is there something in your life that makes you able to follow a certain path or to stay on it or to stay focused on where you want to go? I just, you know, like when this is all said and done, when I'm, when, you know, when I retire, I just want to know that when I look back on my life that I did everything that I wanted to do. And that's actually my motivation. And usually the timing is right. You know, like I've, I've received book deal offers in the past and I entertained them and I felt like my story wasn't there. Like, yes, I was a recording artist. You know, yes, I, I sold millions of records and I, I put out two solo albums. I found Kid Rock out of his deal. I was a web developer. I lost everything, had to start all over. I'm a DJ, I played the inaugural ball. Like all of those things were great but I didn't feel like the story was there. And now I feel like the story is there because what happened that day um, in uh, March was incredible. And it wasn't just about me. It was about people finding ways to still feel connected through, through this, this uh, difficult time. You know, we still found ways to, to, to be motivated, to share experiences. We did it all virtually. And like, now I feel like my story is there. Like it's a better story now. And I, now I want to get it out there. You know, the next step for me will be to um, to finally start writing my books and putting out my books on photography. I I know for sure that I, I want to hit the road with this, not really a club quarantine, but this kind of vibe, this kind of music that I play where people can like bring their families out and, uh, and share music together. One of the best compliments I've received during this time has actually been from one of my fellow DJs, 
um, who happens to be like more of a contemporary hip hop DJ where, you know, he plays mainly all of the new records. And he said to me like, man, I, I actually have your sets live at home with my family. Like, you know, so to be able to share in those experiences of, of like hearing music together is something that I want to bring to the world after this is over. Yeah, well, these sets, I think, are bringing a lot of people a lot of smiles, um, a lot of happiness at times where they're often aren't or maybe you're feeling down or sad or confused. And so it's great to be able to listen. I think in this interview, you have given people a lot of great advice about how to make it and how to get past troubles, um, how to pivot and how to take advice from people. Be nice. Derek, thank you so much for joining us here today. Thank you. Terrific. Really appreciate it. Uh, and appreciate for everyone you. tuning in, thank you. I'll see you in the club. See you in the club. All right. <laughs> that was Derek Jones, a.k.a. D-Nice. You can catch his really legendary sets on Instagram Live. Look for Club Quarantine. It's a joyful place to gather virtually while we can't meet in a physical club. And the truth is, I never go to physical clubs. This is the only way I'm experiencing this music. Derek talked about pivoting to meet so many different moments and interests in his life by reskilling, learning a whole new skill set. I would love to hear from you. What's something you've always wanted to learn? How have you been taking advantage of this unusual time to learn it? Share your new skills and interests with me over on LinkedIn using the hashtag, this is working. I'll post an article about this interview on my profile and you can comment there as well. As always, to get more news and insights, please follow our main LinkedIn page, which you can find by searching for LinkedIn News. Please take a moment also to rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps listeners find the show. This is Working as a production of LinkedIn. The podcast was produced by Sarah Storm and Madison Schaefer with help from Michaela Greer. Joe DeGiorgi mixed our show. Florencia Iriando is head of original video and audio. Dave Pond is our technical director. And I'm Dan Roth, LinkedIn's editor-in-chief. Stay strong. See you next week.